This is episode number 321, How to Train Your Brain for Performance with Rewire App's Sun Sachs. Welcome to the Sonia Looney Show. This is a podcast about high performance and well-being, and I'm your host, Sonia. And if you're new around here, I am a world and multi-time national champion in mountain biking, and I still race professionally. I'm a health and mental performance coach, a writer, a mom of two little kids, and I own my own business. And if you're not new around here, welcome. I'm so glad that you're back, and I'm so grateful that you are part of this awesome community and that we get to learn and grow together. When you're under a greater amount of cognitive fatigue, it's going to negatively impact your goal-driven behavior and your perception of effort, which is going to essentially make you slow down. So what this system does is, and you know, it's been cross-validated with the same researchers that developed the science originally, basically what it does is keeps overloading your brain over a, let's call it a six to eight week period you start to have an adaptation. And how that adaptation is measured is what we call perception gap. And you might imagine what that means, which is basically, we want your perception to accurately reflect the effort when you're under cognitive load. So that way, when you're out there pushing yourself, like how often do you, you know, as a professional, like you push yourself really hard all the time and it probably takes a really hard training day to get to that edge where you feel like mentally you know, you're really suffering, right? This allows you to get to that state without the physical load. So that means you can practice getting in that overloaded state over and over again, build that resilience. So when you are in competition or you are trying to push yourself, you have more resilience. I am so incredibly excited to share today's episode with you because how to train your brain, the mental skills of performance and also of life is one of my number one passions. And one of the things that I have been personally working on researching and teaching about for many, many years. And today you're going to learn even more new insights. The hardest part about a lot of these topics that we cover is how to apply them in real life. And it's one thing to read about something and to learn about something, but then to actually take that information and to be able to use it to make a measurable difference in your life can be really challenging. That's why I'm so excited about today's podcast because the Rewire app takes all of this theoretical information that we've learned and helps you put it into practice in real life. So let's talk about Sun. He is a longtime endurance athlete and software developer. He is the CEO and co-founder of Rewire Fitness, a mental fitness platform for athletes to avoid burnout by providing tools that improve mindset, readiness, and resilience. Sun is also passionate about animal welfare, the environment, and human health. Sun co-created the plant-based media brand, thebeat.com, which I highly recommend you check out if you are interested in plant-based lifestyle or even moving the needle just a little bit. And it merged with Forks Over Knives. And this was so cool to learn because Forks Over Knives was a documentary that I watched, geez, back in 2012. And that documentary is ultimately what made me decide to change my diet to a plant-based diet. Sun is a plant-based culinary chef graduate and continues to advise for the beat. Sun will appear a second time on this podcast to talk about plant-based lifestyle, uh, but today we're going to be talking about the mental side of performance. And in this week's podcast, we talk about brain endurance training, we talk about performance and how the app works. 
We also talk about cognitive fatigue and how that impacts physical performance. We talk about how to adapt to your perception of effort and how you can use an app like Rewire in order to make your mind more resilient whenever things get really hard, especially whenever you're doing an interval workout or you're in a race. Most of us know about physical recovery, but we don't know what mental recovery looks like. So we talk about some of the techniques that Rewire uses to help people recover their brain. We also talk about priming and breath work because those are also two tools that are used in the app that can really help with not only your performance as an athlete, but also when you wake up in the morning to get some energy or maybe you need to downregulate for sleep. If you love everything motivation, mindset, and the intersection of high performance and well-being, make sure you subscribe to my newsletter at sonyalooney.com newsletter, where I dive deep into all of these topics on a regular basis. Before we get into it, I just want to say thank you to those of you who are supporting my work on Patreon and PayPal. That makes a huge difference to my team and to the quality of this podcast. Every single episode is edited by Roma, my audio engineer, who has been working with this podcast since episode one. That's right. Episode one, 312 episodes in, and he's been with us this whole time. And also to Rebecca, who helps make sure that the show notes are pristine and that everything is happening on time. You can check that out at patreon.com slash the Sonia Looney show, or hop on over to my website at sonialooney.com slash podcasts. Thanks for sharing the show with your friends too. We always appreciate that. And the guests always love seeing what you got out of our podcasts. And it's really fun. It's fun to share what your insights may be from the show and how those can help others too. So thanks for doing that. And now let's get right into how to train your brain for performance. Son, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Excited to chat. I see you have a bike on your shirt there, and I know that your background or one of your backgrounds involves the bike. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, uh, my pleasure. Yeah, this shirt is from the Bike Messenger Association. So go kind of way back. I mean, I'm I'm a lifelong endurance athlete and uh, super passionate about biking. Uh, I grew up in Boulder, Colorado and got involved in early age in bike racing. This is dating myself, but this is, we're talking about the early eighties. So it was just about pre-mountain biking. You know, there was certainly some stuff happening in Marin. So I went obviously in the road and then by the late eighties, I got involved in uh, mountain bike racing and I worked my way up to an elite level in several disciplines. This was back when, like I remember doing mammoth without shocks, if you can believe it. <laughs> No power meters. I mean, we had heart rate monitors, but nobody discovered HRV yet. So <laughs> I was I was data poor, let's put it that way. <laughs> and, um, you know, like what happens to many athletes, uh, you know, starving athlete, doing everything I could to succeed, I burnt out and suffered from injury uh, and just mental and physical burnout and um, retired at 26. You know, I also spent about seven years as a bike messenger, which was probably the most fun on the bike I've ever had. You know, you really hone your skills cruising <laughs> through traffic at speed. <laughs> and it's a it's a great community. You know, it's an incredible group of people because you're just sort of, you know, putting yourself on the line uh, with a bunch of folks. And it's, you know, it was very cool. This was in Seattle. So, you know, that's just sort of the, the bike backstory. I haven't stopped riding. I've been riding almost 40 years, you know, get out there, like to push myself and uh, continue to uh, be the best athlete I can be. So I'm smiling to myself about the bike messenger because this is a bit off topic and a bit of an anecdote, but I think it's fun. I've raced my bike in Nepal a couple of times in the Himalaya 
And that required riding in Kathmandu if you wanted to do any type of riding before the race. And there, there's no stoplights. There's no, like everything is just mass chaos. There's cows, there's bikes, there's cars, everything's going every every which way. And I thought, how am I going to ride my bike and not get hit in this? But you just become part of the chaos and it just works. So it just made me smile thinking about that. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and I do not recommend this for anybody. So it's not a recommendation, but (laughs) you get into flow state very quickly when you're dealing with multiple objects that could wipe you out at once. Like it just, it just is a flow trigger. And I had incredible experience. Like that just made me real, really connected to the bike. You know, you're jumping over a hill and there's a car right where you're going to land and you have to figure out what to do in the air. (laughs) The second I hit the ground, I'm going to skid around that thing and I'm going to pull sideways. You know, like it just, it's a different level of experience, you know, with the bike. So speaking of flow state and you mentioned physical and mental burnout, what inspired you to move towards brain endurance training and your app? Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, so after I retired from cycling, I went into software and product development. This is like right when the internet was starting to boom a little bit. This is like late 90s. So I spent a few decades cutting my teeth on building consumer and uh, business products you know, online, digital, all that good stuff. Meanwhile, I kept sort of looking at how I could improve. So I spent, uh, this is probably 12 years ago, went super deep on quantified self, was measuring everything. Before HRV was very well known, I was using it every day. I found it was sort of the most correlative to my training adaptation. So I was like, okay, this is an like out of everything I'm measuring every day, this is the one metric I can count on to be at least somewhat correlative. Put that in my toolkit. Then I spent like, uh, went four or five years super deep on meditation. I was meditating three to four hours a day, um, which is a bit much, but the practice (laughs) I was doing required it. And I was all in. It's a Paramahansa Yogananda's practice. It's um, yogic technique with a lot of breathing I'm actually not supposed to reveal any of the master's secrets, but it's essentially a a breathing and very sort of physical meditative technique and um, wonderful practice, really transformative, but also didn't really fit with my athlete lifestyle. Like if, if I'm already trying to squeeze in the workouts and now I'm getting up at 4 a.m. to do the meditation, you know, it didn't really fit. So while I recognized the incredible benefits I also found it to be just, you know, too much. And then the last piece of the puzzle for me was, it must have been six, seven years ago at this point, um, I became aware of this science around brain endurance training. And I was literally, the second I heard it, I was so excited. I was like, I want to be a test subject. Let me do it. Like, how do I, how do I get involved? Was in Europe, there was no real way that I could figure out how to get involved. And so I was like, okay, well, it's so innovative, it's going to come to market. And I kept waiting and waiting. There were a couple of attempts to bring it to market. Never came to market. And um, one day, coincidentally, I was on the bike trainer and I was like, oh, this is a UI problem, which is stands for user interface. And I was like, oh, I could probably do this. <laughs> so started making a prototype. This puts us back in 2018 at this point, fall, right about anniversary here, about four years ago, and um, got together with a couple of co-founders, started beta testing pretty much immediately 
And we really just took all those components of, you know, uh, a way to quantify your training and recovery, a way to measure your your cognitive state and tools to really build resilience, but also recover the mind. And so it was a very holistic approach, a lot from my firsthand experience and a lot from science that didn't come to market. So labor of love for sure. It's been a long journey. You seem to have a lot of intuition with things that are going to be big. So you mentioned mountain biking in the 80s, you know, before it was what it is today. You mentioned the quantified self and HRV. You've mentioned the mental side of sport, which seems to be, you know, blooming. What else is kind of on your mind? When I know that you're already working on something, but what what other kind of connections are in your mind right now? Yeah, I mean, I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I'm always seeking. I'm always seeking data and mastery, and that you know sends me down many rabbit holes. But uh, <laughs> in the process, I find a few things. Yeah, I would say like the two most exciting areas of development would be really continuous monitoring with not just data, but insights and trends and AI. Uh, like in other words, you know, I'm wearing an aura ring, I have my Garmin watch on. Mm-hmm. They're really good at giving me data, but they're not so good about understanding where I'm at and also being predictive about what I need. So we're doing that with rewire, but that's just getting started. You know, like when we get to a point where your hormonal activity, you know, all of your nutrition trends, all of your stress trends, everything is sort of in a system that can start to analyze, you know, slow moving factors for disease and other things, you know, like typically cancer doesn't happen overnight. It happens over 20, 30 years, right? there's a sleeping giant in there. If you could be aware of those factors as they're developing slow, subtle changes, be incredible for your health, but also incredible for performance, you know? So that, that's one, that's one. It's a little bit off topic, but a lot of times for making changes, people need to have something bad happen. Like I'm thinking about health changes, you know, and you mentioned cancer being a sleeping giant and something that happens over 20 years. Like someone might be getting feedback, like, Hey, this might give you cancer they still might not take action until something bad happens. Yeah, you're so right. Humans, as smart and clever as we are, we're really not good at long-term consequences. Say what you will about (laughs) all kinds of problems we're dealing with, but these are things that we could have predicted quite a long time ago. (laughs) So yeah, the behavior change, that's a different aspect, which is also important. You know, we work on doing that in Rewire to really provide, you know, qualitative and quantitative data in terms of how the session worked for you, what you could do to improve so that you're always getting this feedback of like, oh, well, the last time I was stressed out and I did this session, I felt a lot better. So maybe I should do it again. Like if you can have that sort of a reward-based system, I mean, it's not easy for sure, especially with the habit that's so enjoyable, like diet or other, you know, drinking or things that feel great at the moment. And then you suffer through it later. Um, It it can be hard, but uh, yeah, I'm optimistic. So let's shift gears to talking about the app because I mentioned before we hit record, I was really impressed that it incorporates so much from the science, but also practical application. Can you give us a quick overview of the app? And then I want to go into detail on some of the things that it does. Yes, absolutely. 
So the, there's three pillars to the system. One is resilience training. So in the same way that you'd want to build more you know, physical strength in the gym or on the bike or whatever your sport is, you want to build sort of mental muscle, if you will. And then just like training, we all know that how important recovery is. We have tools for recovering the mind uh, and body, which are really what I would consider an alternative to meditation. Again, meditation is a wonderful practice, but what people often aren't aware of is the the cognitive fatigue and how that builds up over time and how that can negatively impact your performance. So we want to provide tools for recovery. And then right in the middle is the readiness system. And it's a holistic approach to readiness. So basically, we'll connect with your your Garmin or your uh, Aura or Strava, heart rate straps, a bunch of stuff. Uh, we'll bring in your physical data. So we'll know how you slept, You know what your training load is. And then we'll also combine that with cognitive and emotional assessments. So we can tell at a high level where you're at holistically, not just physically, which is so important. You know, we're not just the sum of our sleep and heart rate data. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for saying that, because I think a lot of times people look at that data and then they'll go out and do whatever their activity is and be like, my HRV is good. Why do I still feel like crap? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that's right. I, well, I had a super stressful day at work, but I'm not sure why I'm not performing. I mean, it's, it's easy to miss. We're not, we're the traditional sports science and the traditional way to train is not, doesn't really, it's just siloed. It doesn't really include that stuff unless you're in a pro environment, you know, like yourself where maybe you have a sports psychologist or other support, but the average athlete doesn't have that kind of context or that support. I think the cognitive load affecting physical performance is still something that's not talked about very often. And in fact, I had had never even heard of it until I read Endure by Alex Hutchinson several years ago. And I'm the type of professional athlete where I like to have lots of things going on. I can't, I don't want to just train and do sponsorship obligations. I want to have lots of things, but it it would get to the point where like the morning of a race, I'd be working before the race because I was excited and happy about my work, but then I'd be tired at the race and I'd be like, well, what's wrong with me? Why am I so tired? Or There'd be people where they would take a rest day like myself off the bike, but then spend 10 hours working on something that's very like mentally engaging. And it's not something that I'm unhappy doing. It's something I'm stoked about. But then I would feel bad on my bike. And I just never made that connection that that mental fatigue actually contributes to physical a, a decline in physical performance. And then I started getting into like Samuel Marcora's work and all of that mm-hmm. stuff. And it got really fascinating. So I was so excited to see that this was this is part of the app. So how is cognitive readiness assessed in the app? Yeah, so we do what specific test. Uh, it's a protocol called the psychomotor vigilance test. And basically, it's a reaction time test where you see a shape on the screen. And every time you see the shape, you tap on it. And we gather a lot of data from that. So we're tracking everything compared to each individual's baseline. So we'll know you're 5% off your reaction time, your accuracy, things like lapses. So a lapse would be like a momentary lapse of attention, which we've all had, and we've had it on the bike, and that's not good, right? What? Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Some of us have it. Yeah. So, you know, knowing that you're five, 10% off your your baseline in cognitive performance is super helpful, especially in, you know, in a, in a sport, pretty much in any sport, but also if you need to perform mentally that day. So, it's a very test. You'll see it in sleep studies and also in the military. We've like 
all of the app. We basically found the specific science, worked with scientists, and really recreated it in a way that's very palatable and usable for an everyday person. So in light of taking information and then putting it into practice, someone will, you know, do this test, which I've done. And I think it's, it's actually really fun. Um, and as, a, as a competitive person, you're like, ah, 271 milliseconds, like, ah, or, <laughs> you want to better that. But yeah. how can somebody take this readiness score and then make decisions in their training and in their, their daily life on how to improve that or what type of rest they might need? Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm the same. It's a lot of athletes think it's really fun. But you, what you do is you wake up in the morning and just as part of your morning routine, you spend 90 seconds with the app. You open up the app, it syncs all your training data. You do the reaction time test. We also have an emotional questionnaire. I'm really geared towards your, your perspective of your ability to perform and how frustrated and stressed you are. All that goes into the algorithm. And then what's really unique is that then it will break everything down. So you're like, oh, physically I'm great. All my other devices are saying I'm great, but cognitively and emotionally, you know, I'm in the tank and it'll be like your 5% or your 10% be, you know, so you basically, it illuminates or reflects back details you may not be aware of. So one is understanding where you're at. That's helpful. But then two, if it's just monitoring without a solution, it's really not that helpful because you're still on your own, right? Like I love Vora for sleep, but when it tells me, Maybe you should take a rest day. And I'm like, dude, I have a lot of work to do and I got to get my workout in and I feel fine. Like it's not that helpful. So what we say is, here's where you're at. Here's what you need. And then we'll, in a, we'll provide an intervention, which is typically two to four minutes. You basically tap on prepare for the day. And then it'll give you a session that's very curated to your areas of need. I realized that I forgot to ask, what is brain endurance training for those who may might not have heard of it? Yes. So basically, the comparison, you could definitely look at it like physical training. What you're doing is you're doing a specific type of test, which is targeted to the part of your brain. It's called a response inhibition test. Basically, it's like impulse control. So the questions are really in the forms of letters and shapes. And your intention is to answer them correctly, but they're intuitively uh, a little bit tricky. And what that requires is just a little bit of sustained focus to make sure you're concentrating enough. Layer that on times a thousand questions over 15 minutes. What it does is it, it overloads the brain, particularly in the prefrontal cortex, the anterior cingulate cortex. And curiously, it is the same part of the brain that's responsible for goal-driven behavior, right? So we're all athletes, probably most of us type A, um, we're really trying to achieve things. So it's impacting that part of your brain. And that's also the part of your brain that basically perceives the effort or the physical difficulty of a task. So when you're under a lot of cognitive fatigue, like your example, you're working all day in between races, when you go out and get on your bike the next day, that cognitive fatigue is going to make you misperceive the physical difficulty because your brain's tired. Your brain's like, I'm tired. And then your body reflects that. So brain endurance training is specifically targeting that part of your brain to create an adaptation. And what the studies show is that adaptation translates to greater physical and mental performance, which is what I was so excited about back in the day when I first heard about it. So you mentioned that the 
one of the pillars is resilience training. So can you talk about some of the examples of resilience training? So when the system detects that you have, you're kind of mentally sharp, let's say you're 5% above your baseline, it's going to prescribe a, uh, an exercise you can do in the app, which is basically this brain endurance training session. And the idea is right now, the idea is that you can do it before a low intensity workout or after a high intensity workout. Why you don't do it during a high intensity workout is because it might negatively impact your performance. So if you're really trying to hit your numbers, <laughs> doing that mm-hmm. right before is not a great idea. So it's 10, 15 minutes. Typically, it does depend on the athlete, but typically we'll see them do it between two to three times per week. And then I'll give you a quick exclusive, Ooh. which is which is we're getting ready to roll out these neuro buttons, which are going to basically allow you to remote control the app to answer the brain training questions, mm-hmm. which is so exciting because what you can literally do and not outside, but you can get on the bike trainer and do brain training while you're working out, or mm-hmm. you can go for a run and do brain training. It's a pretty novel experience, like a mind body workout. So that's coming later um, this year, but um, yeah, that's how it works. It's just app-based. It's very convenient and uh, there is a kind of, it's gamified. So it is kind of fun too. So how, how does it work? Like how does it actually improve your resilience and how is that played out in a performance setting? So what we're trying to do is um, we're trying to bridge that gap when you're under a greater amount of cognitive fatigue. It's going to negatively impact your goal-driven behavior and your perception of effort, which is going to essentially make you slow down. So what this system does is, and you know, it's been cross-validated with the same researchers that developed the science originally, basically what it does is keeps overloading your brain over a, let's call it a six to eight week period, you start to have an adaptation And how that adaptation is measured is what we call perception gap. And you might imagine what that means, which is basically, we want your perception to accurately reflect the effort when you're under cognitive load. So that way, when you're out there pushing yourself, like how often do you, you know, as a professional, like you push yourself really hard all the time, and it probably takes a really hard training day to get to that edge where you feel like mentally, you know, you're really suffering, right? This allows you to get to that state without the physical load. So that means you can practice getting in that overloaded state over and over again, build that resilience. So when you are in competition or you are trying to push yourself, you have more resilience. So I'll give you a a good example from the research. So they basically took 30 amateur cyclists. There's actually a lot of research done with cyclists, but other, other sports too. So they took 30 amateur cyclists and they had them come into the lab and do a power-based workout three times a week. And over a three-month period, you know, everybody improved. You would think they would improve. The control group just did the power-based training when they were in the lab. And the variant group did the power-based workout with a keyboard attached to their bike doing the same brain training exercise that we have in the app. (laughs) So the end result after the three months. The control group that was just doing the regular power-based workout, they improved by 40%, which is awesome. The brain train group improved 3x, 120%. And how did they improve? So 
the way they measured the the improvement was they had them do a time to exhaustion test, which is pretty much like a brutal FTP test. You set a fixed power and you pedal as long as you can until you can't go any longer until you're like, my legs are dead. So the brain train group ended up being able to go five minutes longer at the hardest part of the test, which is pretty significant when you think about competition. You know, like if you could get even 1% difference or 2% difference is massive, right? Um, so it just shows you the the kind of untapped potential, whether it be amateur all the way to professional, you know, professional might need more load, but there's still, you know, you can always get better. Yeah. I mean, that's amazing. And the thing that I think is really unique is that a lot of times we're thinking about sports psychology and this is a little bit different than, I mean, it does incorporate sports psychology, but it's a little bit different of a a skill and a mental training that you're doing. Yeah, exactly. You know, the brain is not a muscle, but that analogy is a, is a good one and that you're, you're basically building more capacity. You're creating an adaptation and that adaptation is super helpful when it comes to performance, not only in sport, you know, but in life, you know, and then the other part of it is our recovery system, which as you said, does incorporate a lot of other protocols from sports psychology. I love the idea of doing this resilience training while riding the indoor trainer because a lot of times people dread the trainer or they think it's boring and this adds a whole other element and almost sense of purpose where you could essentially be hitting knocking out two birds with one stone. Yes, we're very sensitive to the time crunch athlete, you know, the average athlete is juggling work life all this stuff. And um the idea that you can one do kill two birds as you said, but also you know some of those interval workouts are brutal. And if you can distract yourself a little bit and have a different thing you're focused on, <laughs> it's very gamified. Like basically, uh, you'll have your power, your power uh, map, and you're trying to hit these thresholds. But as you're doing that, you're also trying to answer the questions. And of course, we'll mess you up by making you answer the hard questions at the hardest interval. <laughs> so it's pretty engaging, that's for sure. <laughs> Yeah, I'm definitely going to be using this over the winter. And it also makes me think about like when you're in a race, you're trying to do simple math sometimes and you're pushing yourself so hard, but then it's you're trying to calculate like the next aid station and convert kilometers to miles or whatever it is. And sometimes it's actually really hard to do simple math in your head when you're pushing so incredibly hard. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you can't really decouple the mind and the body. You know, that's how we've traditionally done it with training. But when when you're really pushing yourself, like your mind is helping to drive your body and that's creating a lot of load. And over time, yeah, we've all had those moments, right, where you just start to say you can't you you can't even answer a simple question. <laughs> yeah. I also wanted to ask, because you mentioned distracting yourself during the pain during an interval, but what about the opposite? Going in mm-hmm. and like focusing on the pain and something that I started doing this year during my intervals is saying, I am not separate from the pain. I am the pain. And that seemed to be really helpful. Totally. Yeah. So the other part of our system, and actually it's integrated with the resilience training. So when we roll out these buttons, we have self-talk integrated. And so you can use self-talk as part of the recovery now, but when we roll out the buttons, you'll be able to use it in brain endurance training. And basically, you program the self-talk messages that you want to use really as a as a trigger to have the right mindset about what you're experiencing. And the more you can practice that in training, the better in competition. So, 
just like you're describing, yeah, I like to transmute pain too. Uh, my little trick is I think about my favorite meal and how savory and delicious it is. And I try to like remap that to, you know, the worst interval that I'm doing. <laughs> it tends to work, at least initially. <laughs> yeah. And something else that I was thinking about whenever I first discovered this app is in mountain biking, I'm sure you've had this experience riding technical trails. Like some days you are you are on it. Like you feel like you're one with the bike. The things that were intimidating or sometimes are intimidating just come easily to you. And then there's other days where you just cannot get out of your own way whenever you're out riding your bike or insert whatever sport, you know, especially skills-based sports. Like maybe it's like tennis or, or soccer, football or bass, you know, anything that's heavily involved with skills. And you just cannot make yourself do the thing that comes easily other times. That's right. And I had this crazy experience. It was a seven day enduro stage race. So like down all the downhill segments were timed and there was no pre-riding. So it was all blind riding. So you have to make a lot. And this was in BC where it's very steep and technical. So you had to make a lot of decisions over the course of a week. And I didn't do any previous training for the, the mental side of this. And by the end of the race, my brain was so tired that I could not make any more decisions on what line to take or how to ride something. And in fact, even the next day I, I went for a ride with my husband and I could barely ride a green trail because my mind was so fried from just trying to make so many decisions in that moment. So long story long, thinking about your app, thinking about this resilience training, there's so many applications other than just the pain part. It's like the skill part where you have to be focused on executing a skill repeatedly. Yes. So, it, you know, when you go into our library, we basically have sessions you can do for pre-competition. We have sessions you can do in between. So there's this race that I do every year that has three three races in one day. So how do you deal with that, right? So you you know what I do is I do the mindset recovery. You can you have passive mode, so you don't have to even look at the screen. And what we integrate is things that'll help recover your mind and get your body into a calm, ready state. You know we were. I think before the recording, we were talking a little bit about flow state and, you know, a classic flow trigger is being in that calm, ready state, you know, having a lot of anxiety, having a lot of stress, a lot of tension, there's no way you're going to get into that flow state on the trail or, or running or, you know, whatever your sport is. But if you can sort of prime yourself to really be open and accepting to whatever the situation brings, you're going to do so much better. So yeah, these techniques you can absolutely use even in competition. I mean, not while you're racing, but in between rounds and things like that. What are some of the other recovery tools in the app? Yeah. So, you know, you basically, you know, the system will assess you in the morning and it'll give you a recommendation uh, and you can also go into the library and um, I'll give you kind of a classic example. So what we do, and this is part of our unique technology is we basically take a, a bunch of different evidence-based protocols, map them to your areas of need and put them together in what we call a recipe. So uh, it's kind of like what you'd imagine. It's a combination of things that in aggregate are all going to help you. And so we can maximize the time you put into it with, you know, um, we'll bring in oftentimes some kind of breathing modality. We can support any kind of breathing Classic one for stress and maintain focus is box breathing, but we do things like uh, alternative nasal breathing, step ups, which is like a hyperventilation state, four, seven, eight, and so on. 
So imagine you open up the app, you do a couple of minutes of breathing. While you're doing the breathing, you're listening to, in air quotes, relaxing music, but it's actually what we call binaural beats, uh, which is a neuroscience technique to entrain your mind. In other words, have your mind mimic the waves that it's perceiving. And what's so powerful about that is we can broadcast a like a theta state or a beta state, in other words, a relaxed state or a focus state. And what's going to happen is your brain is actually going to start to shift into that mode. So you're breathing, that's impacting your physiology and getting you into a calm state. You're listening to the binaural beats. And then we'll bring in things like self-talk, uh, visualization cues, all sports science techniques that work, but are in a structured way. So you can really learn them and get the benefit. And another protocol that we integrate is subliminal priming. So right out of the lab, <laughs> right out of the 1950s movie theaters trying to sell popcorn, subliminally flashing, buy popcorn. Instead, what we're doing is, you know, there's, there's, it's grounded in science specifically for athletes. What we're doing is we're priming somebody subliminally with positive imagery. And what we want to do is, is impact their mental state their emotionality, uh, and help them cognitively recover. Uh, and it's a pretty novel technique. We literally had to de-engineer what they had in the lab to do the priming following their exact protocol. But all you do is look at the screen and it's basically, you know, getting you into a, a positive mental state. There's so much information and research like in this app. How did you bring it all together? <laughs> yeah. Labor of love. Um, and, uh, <laughs> Testing a lot of things, working with many scientists, you know, it took three years to develop it. So it was not a, uh, and a lot of beta testing. You know, like we're out, we're the whole team are athletes, athletes first. And we were sensitive to the fact that most people don't have a lot of time. We're asking them to try something new. And so we really wanted to make sure that, you know, the science was sound and the, and that it offered as much value as possible. And the last piece is we just have iterated a lot. So the product, you know, has evolved and continues to evolve really based on feedback. So we just released a whole bunch of um, like two new collections of mindset sessions focused around literally like one minute passive mode. Like, like what's the challenge for us? We're working with this group that they're trying to do a world record. And um, they're like, we only have one minute. What can you do for us in one minute? <laughs> like, okay, challenge accepted. Here, are, you know, five sessions you can do that'll help you. You know, mm -hmm. so we just keep evolving, and obviously, we have our nose to the science constantly, and are looking and testing different things. So, um, we have a great advisory group of different scientists and human performance, neuroscience, all that good stuff. Yeah, it seems like finding the right team is so key for this app. Not only it's its birth, but also the continuous uh, iterations as the science continues to evolve. Yeah, 100%. We're very committed to continuing to be evidence-driven. And, um, you know, we're forming relationships with different universities. And uh, I think we'll, we'll help contribute to that science as well. So that's exciting. There's a lot of other ideas I have for things we could do. So <laughs> looking forward to that. So somebody that spent a lot of time doing meditation and then coming over to your app and this the brain endurance training, 
you're not necessarily saying that people need to be doing meditation in order to improve their athletic performance, but there's breath work in the app. So can you talk a little bit or play a little bit with the idea of meditation versus breath work, or maybe in addition to, to improve performance? Yeah, absolutely. So meditation, they call it a practice for a reason. Uh, <laughs> it, it typically takes at least eight weeks of consistent practice. In other words, a daily to start to see benefits. And uh, it's very amorphous in that way. Like it's almost feels like it's faith-based initially. And if you, know, if you have a very active mind, it's even harder. And oftentimes the practice, you know, it's a big commitment in time. And the real difference is, you know, one with our, our sessions, they create a very similar result, but without the time. They're also evidence-based. So you, you know, there's, I mean, there's lots of science behind meditation. So I don't want to say that it's not evidence-based, but we're basically analyzing the results and showing you the objective and subjective data of how it went. So like, in other words, when you meditate, an app, any meditation app, as great as they are, they're not going to tell you how well you meditated. Like you scored a seven out of 10 in meditation. <laughs> But because of the way we're doing, we're taking this approach, we can actually measure the subjective and objective results via heart rate monitor, via your own assessment before and after. And that's helpful, you know, and um, the other thing that's missing with meditation is in general, you know, it is a, it is a technique that you can do for mindfulness but it's not really geared towards performance or geared towards the needs of an athlete. Right. And it's also missing context. So like, you know, if you didn't get a good night's sleep, a meditation app, isn't going to tell you, Hey, you didn't get a good night's sleep, do this specific meditation for that. And if you're trying to have a great performance, you know, there's generically you can meditate and get into a calm state. Wonderful but it's not going to be geared towards performance with the tools that'll help you you know really get into the into the right headspace for performance so it's really just i would say like meditation is a is a wonderful tool for mindfulness and self reflection and managing stress but it's a generic tool whereas what we have is something that is very specific to athletic performance and uh, provides the data, which we all love, and also understands where you're at and what you need. So you're you're not having to just sort of figure it out. Yeah, I'm hearing that this is a more personalized approach that takes into account a lot more factors, but that meditation still has its place in the non-judgmental self-awareness that goes on. And maybe even for the sports psychology piece, like if you're doing a meditation, knowing where your mind goes and being able to recognize those thoughts so that when you are in the heat of the moment on the bike or wherever your sport is pushing yourself, being able to first notice that these thoughts are even happening, because a lot of times we might not even know that. And then being able to apply all of the things in the app so that you can work with those things instead of against them. Yes, they're very, they're definitely complementary in that way. I think, I think you, uh, you nailed that one. Yeah, they're very complementary. And, you know, the other thing is like, as great, I still meditate almost daily, but, you know, 86% of the population has never meditated. 
right? Or, so there's and a won't lot of people, yeah, and won't and won't. So there's a lot of people that you know they don't have the tools and they're not going to try that. So why not find something else that works? Because you know, having quality time with your mind, body, spirit for two to four minutes a day is material. Mm-hmm. It makes a difference, you know. Yeah, the piece that I've been the most interested in lately is the breathwork piece. And I mentioned I have this Mindset Academy that I uh, launched in 2020, and I did have some breathwork involved there. But since then, I've learned a lot more about breathwork. And it's so fascinating how you can change your energy and how, like, after James Nestor's book, uh, Breath, is it Breath or Mm -hmm. Breathe? I always get it confused. Breathe, I think. Breathe. Yeah, Yeah, after his book came out, I was like, wow, there's just so much more here. What have been some things that you've adapted and learned with on the breathwork piece recently or just as this app has iterated? Yeah, I mean it's incredible. Like there's a reason that it's autonomic and also self-controlled, you know, like you're you have this gift of being able to change your physiology, right? Wim Hof is, you know, has been amazing and people have been so excited about how you can, you know, activate this fight or flight state and resist you know, basically viruses. That's a natural ability we have. We have this ability to trigger our state. And, you know, for instance, if you do box breathing, what you're basically doing is a fixed breath in, holding, a fixed breath out and holding. And what that does is get your body into a homeostasis. When you're in a homeostasis, this is used by the Navy SEALs, probably most famously, you're focused and you're calm. That is like a a wonderful state for athletic performance. And, you know, there's certain sessions we do in the app where I can wear a heart rate monitor. I can see my um, HRV improve by four or five points. What else can you do to, I mean, otherwise you're just sort of like, well, I hope my HRV recovers, right? But if there's something you can actually do to improve it, that's really exciting. And there's different, you know, like the, the super fascinating thing is the relationship with your parasympathetic and your, and your sympathetic nervous system. And how, you know, breathing in is your sympathetic and breathing out is your parasympathetic. Same thing with your nostrils. Your right nostril is your is your sympathetic and your left is your parasympathetic. So when I'm just walking around throughout the day, I'll go like, oh, interesting. My left nostril's clogged up. I'm kind of in a stress state, you know? Like there's these little things you can start to observe and do something about it. That's why I like the alternative nasal breathing, again, gets you into a homeostasis because you're basically getting unclogging that, you know, that other nostril and getting everything balanced again. So it's a, it's fascinating and very powerful. Yeah. And I can see you light up whenever you talk about how you can see the changes in the measurement right in front of you. And it, it sounds like that's really exciting for you that you can do these things, but that you can actually see the changes happening instead of it being this nebulous thing. Yeah, that's important. Yeah. Um, definitely a, a nerd at heart and being able to measure things and know that they work. And then, you know, when you find something that works, that's like gold, right? You can just uh, rinse and repeat whenever you need it. So the the way to do that is to to show people the data, you know, we'll actually break down. If you're doing one of those sessions, like I talked about where it has breathing and binaural beats and self-talk, we'll break down your physiological changes for each protocol. So, hey, for one person, maybe the self-talk didn't really impact them, but for other people, it did. And now that you know that, you can do more self-talk sessions, you know? Like it's just showing the data can help illuminate uh, and change behavior. At least that's our intention. 
I'm sure whenever you're continuing to evolve, there's a lot of different ideas out there and then you have to shed some, you can't do everything all the time. So how do you decide which which ideas take priority whenever you are putting them into the app versus the things that need to be put on the back burner for a little while? That's a great question. It's a I've been in product for a long time and that's the the hardest part is oftentimes <laughs> no shortage of ideas. <laughs> uh, believe me, I would have built five different apps at this point. But what is important is really it's user driven. So like we have um several beta groups we meet with every week. We have a lot of different coaches that are using our coaching platform. You know, we're we're taking that feedback. We're we're the practical application of what we're doing is most important. So if the majority of folks in our beta are asking for a feature, we think something else is so much cooler and more important, we're going to do what they're asking for nine times out of ten. And that actually like over time that becomes a product that just resonates and helps more and more people, which is what we're trying to do. So, you know, we're only like 50% right most of the time. And then everybody else helps us get there, you know. Was there anything else about the app that I didn't bring up that you really want people to know? Thank you for asking. Yeah. I mean, um, I think, like I said, we're always iterating, always love feedback. The app is, we have a freemium version, uh, which gives you the holistic readiness totally for free. And then an elite version, which really has sort of the recommendation engine stuff in it. And uh, like I said, we're rolling out the buttons this next quarter here before the end of the year and uh, continue to iterate. So uh, there'll be many more things over time. Great. Well, everybody should check it out. I'm really excited to start using it. And I, I mentioned I've only used it uh, a couple of times because we've just met, but I was super excited with what I saw. And yeah, this is going to be a game changer for sure. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks so much. I hope that you enjoyed that episode and make sure that you download the Rewire app. There is a free version of it where you can try it out for yourself. You can take the readiness assessment tests. You can listen to some of the mindset recoveries and get a feel for the app. I hope that you enjoy it and that you learned a lot on today's episode. And as always, I'm with you on this journey of personal growth, adventure, and our mission to be better every day. And I'll see you right back here next week.